Well, it's great to be here again today and to uh, be able to preach and uh, still expound God's goodness to us in, in the sermon and from the scriptures. Sermon title is How to Live Victoriously. And it's interesting when you start zeroing in on one word, sometimes you just get excited about what's going on in that verse and in, in other um, meanings that you could attach to, to verses. So uh, how to live victoriously. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse f- uh, 57, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, so that we can live victoriously. I'm looking at uh, some of the scriptures that I've written out, uh, because I can get them in bigger print (laughs) by doing that and enlarging them. Uh, But otherwise, it should go well here. I've got most of my scriptures written out. I've got a few that I'm going to be reading from here. And uh, we'll... uh, Hope everything goes fine without the extra box out uh, <laughs> computer. <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, we'll take it from there. To live uh, victorious, we have to think about some things. First, we live in God's presence. Make sure we're where God wants us to be and in his presence. To live in God's promises We don't often think about how many promises there are in the scriptures, but we know that there are a lot. I can remember the little card thing that they used to have, the little card holder that they'd put on the kitchen table. And every breakfast, you'd take one card from the front, read it, and put it in the back. That whole thing was full of promises, from the Proverbs mostly, but other promises throughout the scripture. That was really neat that we would have that knowledge of the scripture. Then the third point would be to live in God's peace. In the world that we're in, we've got an awful situation going on. Everybody's angry. Everybody's upset with something. Everybody's in a rush. Everybody's either tearing it up or ruining it, one or the other. And uh, we, uh, we know that there's a lot of heartache and a lot of problem, a lot of turmoil. But there is peace through living for God and and in his standards and his rules. We need to live through God's power. We wouldn't make it if it wasn't for God's power. Power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we need God's power all through and around about us. We need to live in God's purpose. If we don't have a purpose in life and a purpose in what we're doing, uh, it would be most distressing to have nowhere to go, nothing to do, nothing of value to set standards for ourselves and so on, Um, we can be very glad and happy that we can live in in God's purpose. So going back over these, in order to live victoriously, we should be looking at these in, in depth, these ideas. In Psalm 140, verse 13, it says, Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. The upright shall dwell in thy presence. We've got to think that through for ourselves. First of all, we, we want to be righteous. It's pretty hard to do. 
But we do it if we have God in us and the Holy Spirit in us. We're trying to uh, live the way God would want us to live. We have Christ, our Savior, living for us and in us. Um, we've got everything going for us. We can be righteous. And that's not the kind that the street people talk about, that I stabbed him righteously. Whoa, no, not that kind of righteousness. Righteousness and God's standard. Many believers fail to live in God's presence. That's sad because it's available to us all. We don't have to go to a building. We don't have to go over there. We don't have to go and seek him somewhere else. We don't have to go to a temple. Um, he's with us all the time and we can be in his presence anytime we want to. Secular activities crowd out prayer and communication with God. That we've really got to fight against. We can be so busy that we don't have time for God. We don't, we, we know we ought to pray, but I don't want to stop and sit down or I don't want to kneel down. I don't want to, you know, we can make excuses, right? Remember the one that said, I've married a, a wife, so I can't go to the meal for the special story that was in the scriptures. I can't go where God wants me to be because I bought a team of oxen or I did this or I did that and I, I can't go. They're making excuses of not doing for God, not living where God would have us to, to live. To live victoriously, we must continue in a spirit of prayer. We talked about it in the Sabbath school lesson because now we're going through, what is it, three or four pages on prayer. All different questions and verses pertaining to prayer. Um, we need to be praying without ceasing, to be in an attitude and an action behavior of prayer at all times. That way you don't have to stop everything and put everything down and go to a prayer room or something. Uh, we just pray where we are. Pray where we are at the time. If it involves shutting your eyes, well, I guess you either have to stop what you're doing and shut your eyes, but don't drive with your eyes shut. <laughs> uh, we need to be praying at all times and find out how to be in a prayerful attitude at all times. Because with prayer, uh, we will be in fellowship with God. The scripture says, pray without ceasing. That's 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17. Pray without ceasing. The prayerful attitude, the way that we can say things just off of the cuff, just right then and there, right when it's needed. We can say something, we can pray, we can ask for help. And God knows. Okay. Um, second point would be to live by God's promises. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, it says, whereby, uh, pardon me, uh, hereby are we given unto us exceeding and great precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. We can be part of heavenly nature, Jesus' nature, how Jesus would do things and, and act and respond. That's a promise that we can have that. We can be partakers. Uh, some believers neglect the promises. That's sad. Like I said, we had those, those cards that you could at least get one card every day. Uh, 
the Psalms, the Proverbs, people don't bother to read them. We used to get those little Bibles given to us at school, and they had some songs in there that would be spiritual as well as national, but also they had in the back the Psalms and the Proverbs in the back of the New Testament Bible. Wow. Where have we gone from there? No Bible in school, no Bible being read in school, no prayers are really allowed in schools. Uh, they, they wouldn't want the Bible to be seen if it was anywhere nearby. Um, uh, bad news. We need it. So they don't read. People don't read anymore the Scriptures. They don't want to remember, memorize the Scriptures anymore. They, uh, they, claim, they should be claiming those promises as their own. Instead, they're ignoring them and doing away with them. Don't mention them. They don't read the promises in the Bible. That would be a great blessing if they would. To be victorious, we must live by the promises of God. There are so many promises that if we can bank on those promises, just think of the living that we'll be doing if we do that. We'll have a real life. <clears throat> the, uh, they were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scripture might have hope. It's got a specific reason why God included promises in the Bible. That verse came from Romans 15, verse 4. Romans 15, verse 4. That they were written as a blessing to us, the promises that are in the Bible. And if we learn by them and we get patience and comfort through them, our whole life becomes a blessing to ourselves and to others. It's a good deal for us. Okay, another point would be to live with God's peace. It is so hard at times when Satan tries to make everything go wrong. His job is destroying things, everything. He would like to destroy creation. He would like to destroy us as God's creation. Uh, he wants to do everything that he can do to ruin whatever is good. And we have to do a spiritual battle all the time because he's after us because the other ones he, he doesn't bother, he's already got them. <laughs> so why bother them? But anybody that stands up against him to honor the Heavenly Father and to live God's way, he's going to attack. There's lots of scriptures about that too, isn't there? You will suffer for the Lord. Something is wrong. Remember the disciples and so on? They thanked God that they were able to suffer for Christ. They were counted worthy to suffer for Christ. Wow, okay. In John 14, verse 27, it says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Those kind of words and thoughts that we know are in the Scriptures, we should be reading and finding those, of course. But every time we run across one, we should anchor ourselves there and say, well, wait a minute, let me remember this one. Let's read this twice or three times to kind of get that anchor there. Because there's millions of people today who seek peace, but they really don't have it. 
millions of people talk about peace, whatever country they're in. I had a friend from Czechoslovakia, and he used to say they had a saying in their country, be glad that you're glad. Now what? How do you translate that? Nobody's bothering you if you follow in a certain set pattern. You had no freedoms, but as long as you stayed on a set pattern that was acceptable, they left you alone. So be glad that you're glad. We want more than that. But people are looking for obtaining education and popularity and wealth, but they fail to find peace. We remember a story of a preacher telling about, uh, talking to high school students. He said, everybody wants to be popular. You know, this is the big thing, be popular. Uh, and they want to be noteworthy, want to be seen and talked about. He said, I could come out here in my undershorts. He said, I'd hit the newspapers, I'd be popular. But all the rest is failure, right? He'd end up in jail. Said they'd bring the men with the little white coats. <laughs> And probably the long sleeves, yeah. <laughs> um, that's not the kind of peace we want or the notoriety that we want. We don't want that. We want to uh, um, be a blessing to those around us and do things right. And another thought that came to me, the same preacher talked about people are worshiping at the altar of education. Education is all there is to it. You've got to have, you know, he said, yeah, you have to put a person through mathematics so that they know how to alter the books so that they can steal from the company. You know, you've you got to put some balance to all of this, right? If they don't have Christianity, if they don't have righteousness, if they don't have good values and standards, then the education is not going to help them. In fact, it'll help them go the wrong way. Invent bad things. Scripture even says they lay asleep at night on their beds. And they're disturbed of their sleep because they can't think of anything new to do that's trouble, problems. Do you know that verse is there? Yeah, people that lay asleep and lay awake at night, dreaming up bad things. Wow. Okay. Uh, real and lasting peace is found only in Jesus Christ. We know that. But do we present it to others? Do they know that that's our feeling and our standards, our ways of doing things? Jesus' peace keeps our hearts and minds on a level plane and a good, good ground to help us to live victoriously. I use that word again. We're only victorious. We only feel that victory if things are going well for us. In order to get it going well, we need to go back to Jesus Christ to live for him. There's a verse in, um, in Philippians 4, verse 7. I wrote it out in here too, rather than looking it up. I can use darker leads and thicker <laughs> uh, black. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's a promise. That's a bold statement. You could have a punchline at the end, an exclamation mark, that God can do that for us. Live through God's power. In Philippians 4.13, it says, 
I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. We know that verse so well, and we can say it so often that sometimes it doesn't give enough strength to that verse. We need to think it through slowly and, and mindful that can we do all things? Well, what all things? First off, you've got to have education that God gives and a brain power that God gives you before you can do this. But how about spiritual? We need God's spirit in us. We need God's understanding given to us. We need God, God's peace uh, in order to do the things that we should be doing for God. Not all things, because some things are not expedient. Some things are not the right things to be doing. Um, but we're talking about spiritual things that we can do all. Uh, whether believers try to get their own power involved. Some people are believers in Christ, but they haven't settled all of this squarely in their mind. So they're trying to get it through their own power to serve God or help God or whatever. To get the challenge, the insufficiency for the challenge of our day. We can't pump ourselves up to solve the problems of the day. We'll just get more and more in trouble. Um, when I think of something like that, I think of the book I read way back when, when the challenge was that we needed more engineers so that they could figure out what to do with all the car tires that were going to be generated, made, thrown away, used and thrown away. We needed engineers for that. That was how many years ago? 1972. That's a way back when that book was written. Yeah, we got problems in our world. And that can trouble us, but we can't do it under our own power. We can depend on Heavenly, God, Heavenly Father's power and His will and His in teaching, His intelligence that He can give to us. But what is our job? Our job is to win souls. We are not to figure out how to fix the tires. That's not our job. God can give that one to somebody else or people will naturally go for it to do something. We, we can't get involved in climate change and this and that and that and that. Um, we need to do our part. I'm not saying we turn a blind eye, but is that our job? Jesus said, go unto all nations. Teach them about Christ. Teach them about salvation. Teach them about the Heavenly Father so that they can have access to eternal life. That's what would make us victorious. So we can live victorious only through God's power. And through his power, we can accomplish his work here on earth. His work, not ours. Won't matter how many um, cars we can drive up to the, <laughs> talk about the Golden Gate or something, you're going to drive up with a gold car. Uh, no, that's not what's going to happen. But turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. I know I've got a paper in there that helps me find it. <laughs> there we go. Here's Colossians. And um, chapter 1, verse 10 through 11, and then I wrote myself, might as well go on to 17. So bear with me here. First chapter of Colossians, and I'm going to start with verse 10. That we might walk worthy of the Lord. Wow, do you see what 
it makes you say, I should have read the first 10 verses. <laughs> I'll have to leave that for your homework, right? That we might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing in knowing the Heavenly Father and knowledge of Him and what He's all about, what He likes, what He dislikes. I've made sermons in the past that surprised people. But you want to make God angry? Here's how you do it. <laughs> and look up those verses and stay away from them. When there's a whole chapter that says over and over and over and over about something that's very bad that God hates, that God is very upset with, and it's over and over in that same chapter. We need to read those things and say, well, let's stay away from that. Let's not get anywhere near that. So that's verse 10 only. We're supposed to serve the Lord worthy, walk worthy and pleasing and all pleasing, being fruitful. Don't be a dead vine or one that doesn't produce anything. Nowadays, you know, Satan likes that. He wants you to have cucumbers that have no seeds in them because then they can't reproduce, right? That's Satan's plan. God's plan was every fruit had its own seed and it would reproduce. Now you can buy oranges with no seeds. Grapefruit with almost no seeds in it. You know, get uh, watermelon with no seeds. You can get uh, just on and on and on. They don't want those seeds to reproduce. So they kill the seeds. Is that God's will? No, it isn't. That's not what God wants. He wants us to be fruitful. And all things that he created, he wanted to be fruitful. Okay, verse 11. Strengthen with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering and joyfulness, with joyfulness. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet for the partakers of the inheritance of the saints of light. You can really take that apart as well, couldn't you? But the giving thanks to the Heavenly Father. Verse 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, Satan, bad things, wrong things, darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Just That's an absolutely amazing thing to have done, and impossible in natural situations. But God did it through his son, Jesus Christ. Whom hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, Jesus Christ, in whom we have redemption through his blood. You know, know what that means and understand how to, what a great meaning that is. Even the forgiveness of our sins. He could have just left us go, have your own way, do your own thing. I won't provide for you, you figure it out. No, 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 that's not the God we serve. He provided a, a way out of sin and to be forgiven so that we could have eternal life. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? People don't want to hear that. That's a verse I wish they could tear out and throw away. That is a powerful verse. Jesus Christ is in the 
image of the Heavenly Father, and he's a spirit that cannot be seen. Nobody's seen the Father. Nobody's supposed to be able to ever see the Father, except maybe in the future when he's walking with us. And Adam and Eve walked in the garden with with, uh, the Heavenly Father. Wow. But when we look at Jesus, he is in the image of his Father. His thoughts, his ways, his mannerisms, behaviors, you, you, you go down the list, all the things that you can think of that Jesus would display. That's what the Heavenly Father is. Wow. We can really get to see the Heavenly Father in this, this invisible way to know what the Heavenly Father is like. And Jesus, then that image, was the firstborn of every creature. When did Jesus come into existence? Well, you can get in trouble with that conversation. One thing for sure, he was way back there somewhere. Heavenly Father didn't have a beginning nor an end, right? But Jesus started somewhere. And he's way back there somewhere. And then God said, let's make man in our image. Jesus was there. (laughs) Okay. Alrighty. Way before we can think of this, when did the water divide and when did the fish arrive and so on. It was way before that in God's forever. I love in mathematics, you can put in equations and the curve will go and you think, okay, I'm going to follow this curve, follow this curve. And you put in more numbers and more numbers, more numbers, and they're going vertical. We call it infinity. There is no end to that line. That's where Jesus came from. The other end, way back over there where infinity lives. (laughs) That's where Jesus came from. Okay, uh, verse 16. For by him were all things created. Christ made all things. The Heavenly Father is responsible for it all. Uh, I think of one as a master designer and one the worker, the builder, but they're all together, right? One and the same thing. They're doing it together. Let us do this. For by him, this one that's in verse 15, by him were all things created that are in the heavens and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. We wonder sometimes when you find verses where it says God creates evil and and he creates good. And people get excited. Hey, if you never had evil at all, if God withheld that from us, you would never know what wrong is and what right is. You would have no choice. You'd be a robot. God had to give us that choice. He had to allow sin and wickedness and Satan, and otherwise he could have just wiped them out. And we would never know that. So all of these things that are mentioned here They're troublesome to us, but if we stay with the Heavenly Father, we'll be victorious over them all. In verse 17, I want to include as well. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Talking about the Heavenly Father, the master designer, the builder, and Jesus Christ, his right-hand man, that did the creating, did the building, got the approval of the Heavenly Father. We look like Jesus. We look like what the Heavenly Father would look like if we could see him. All things were made by Jesus. And the Heavenly Father 
saying the plan is this and this. Let's make man in our image. Let's make a world. Let's make this. Let's do that. And they did all things that would be a blessing to us. Living for God's purpose, according to the eternal purpose, which he proposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's Ephesians 3 and verse 11. Ephesians 3 verse 11. According to the eternal purpose, God had a plan. Somebody says, (laughs) when God was creating and doing things, he didn't say, whoops. (laughs) He never says whoops. (laughs) He knows knows ahead of time and he does it right the first time. (laughs) Christ came to die on the cross. He came to be our substitute when we would have to pay for our own sin because he paid for our sins. He's the substitute for us and accomplished God's purpose. God had this plan going. He didn't say, oh, uh, we got to figure out something. Um, Son, you're next. I got to send you. He had this already planned. Otherwise, we would have no choice. We'd have no um, blessing of eternal life. God could have stopped it all and, and just quit in the Garden of Eden and says, okay, we'll leave it there. But he didn't. He gave us this opportunity to choose him. We must only repent and believe in him to receive salvation. Through Jesus Christ, we repent of our sins. Start thanking Jesus for what he did on the cross. Thanking God for making the plan of salvation. And then we can receive salvation. God has a purpose for each one of us. I think that's where the young people nowadays, school age and so on, they don't get that education. They don't get that understanding. So they're, um, they came from nothing. They're going to nothing. Um, they were crawled out of the mud and duck along the side of a lake or something. And now they exist for a short while and then they're going to be dead and gone. We got to tell them the real story. Very different. God had a purpose in creating us. <laughs> a biggie is God did not make us stupid. We were not a monkey. We didn't come crawling out of an ape or slowly get to stand up straight. God made us who we are. He made all the animals separately. I heard again recently an article that was written about um, intermingling the two um, Creations would be a good way to put it. Can you take a monkey and make a human being out of it? Or can you put something in the monkeys to try to make them human? Well, if they ever get close on that one, they're going to get a big surprise because I think God's going to say, that's it. Trumpeter, come on. (laughs) You know, if they try to get close to that, that will be like the Tower of Babel where they said, you know what? If we make these bricks really strong and we get lots of soil around, we can go up and up and up and we'll be where God is. Well, first off, that would never work, but man couldn't understand that. The bricks can only stand so much weight and then they're going to crush. How high? Mount Everest? Stones can stand that high. (laughs) But getting where God is is hopeless. It's impossible. But people try the weirdest things. So we had a purpose. 
to live victorious, we must seek God's purpose, not ours. The promises are promised to direct each individual, each one of us are very, very special to him. And if we tell the kids that, young people that, that they are important. God made them the way they are. God gave them what they have. Uh, mankind was intelligent immediately. Uh, when did, Smelting iron is one of the toughest things other than making steel and so on. Where do you find iron first smelted? Oh, the third chapter. <laughs> Man was not stupid. Yeah. So turn with me to Proverbs. I want to go to chapter 2 first. Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 2. I guess I'm going to stay in Proverbs for, for a while, so I'll lay that paper aside. I want to go to chapter 2, 1 through 4, first off. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide them, hide my commandments with thee, take his ways of doing things and hang on to him in such a way that you've put him in a special place where you can always find him. They're going to be hidden with thee, not somewhere else. So that thou inclinest thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart unto to understanding. God was giving us wisdom from day one and continues here in the middle of the Bible. Wisdom is one of the most important things that God wants us to have. He wants us to be intelligent and love the idea of knowledge. He's giving it to us. If we'll just apply our heart to it. Apply our heart where? Well, right here. What are the Proverbs all about? Read them. They say read one chapter a day and it's 30, 30 days you'll be done. <laughs> but you know what? You probably find you don't want to read it that fast. You'd like to read it a lot slower because there's just a wealth of knowledge and understanding and blessings that are there. Keep going here for just a, two more verses. Yea, if thou triest after knowledge. Are we wanting knowledge that much? Oh man, I tell you, the older I get, the more I want of knowledge. Knowledge of the scriptures, nor of knowledge of the world, wisdom, understanding. And liftest up thy voice for understanding. So not just know about it, but understand it. If thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hidden treasures, People go after hidden treasures who will spend millions. Just look up that one on the, tre on the island in Canada that is driven people crazy from age to age to age to find out what's down that hole. And they transport great earth-moving equipment and earth-digging equipment and mathematics and plotting and all kinds of stuff. They still haven't found it. It's driving mankind crazy as to what's down that hole. <laughs> it's been well protected too. So they know that there's something down there. Okay, God will give us what we need, our understanding. And, and because he knows that we love challenges and knowledge, he's going to give us that too. Then I want to go just across the page to chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. 
my son, forget not my law. Here is some real understanding. My son, that's, we know that's the king talking to his son, but King Solomon was the wisest man in the world. But let thine heart keep my commandments. Now you know that God is talking to him. And as long as Solomon kept God's ways and wills and uh, his statements of my laws work both ways, right? But this is really Heavenly Father talking to us. My commandments. For length of days and long life and peace they shall add unto thee. God's ways will give you long life for all ages. It's a blessing that's planned for you to be given to you. And peace. Everybody wants peace. That's the best thing there. I want to jump to verse 5 now. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Then jump down to verse 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with thy first fruits of all thine increase. That's the tithing. He says, do this. My son, and he's giving wisdom to us, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of thine increase, any kind of increase. So shalt thou thy barns be filled with plenty. Sometimes we think, if I give it all away, if I give this much to that cause or to that godly thing or the tithe, that my barn isn't going to get filled up. It works the other way around, actually. You try to outgive God, you're not going to do it. It won't happen. <laughs> so give to the Lord. Give what is belongs to God. Just like when Jesus... They brought him a coin and said, uh, are we supposed to pay, to pay taxes? Well, taxes. That's insignificant in all of this, right? All of this wisdom and knowledge, that's insignificant. So Jesus said, well, well let me see. He looked at it and he said, oh, who is his inscription? He said, it's Caesar's. Oh, really? Okay, well, give it to him if that's his. That's how much Jesus worried about taxes. <laughs> Uh, if it's his, let him have it. Um, but we should be able to see the advantages of tithing, that God will give the increase. He will bless us. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine, new juices coming out of the berries that they're crushing. And they had to ferment it slightly so that it would last longer, okay, so that it would be preserved. Um, people do that all the time, whether you're pickling pickles or <laughs> whatever you're doing, you're trying to make them last longer. But here's a, a blessing that there will be plenty there in the presses, plenty of berries and grapes and so on. There will be plenty. God can do that for us. So just a quick look over. To be victorious, we need to live in God's presence really understand who is helping us, who we are living in sight of. Uh, live by God's promises, to live by God's peace, and live through God's power. And then the last one is live for God's purpose. May God bless you.